This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ed is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au. Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 693 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 10th of September, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. How goes it? Do you see that dude in the intro has got the same jacket as me? How dare they? I know, right? It's only I hate it when you clash with somebody else and they're wearing the same clothes. It's almost like you could buy them anyway. And the same hairstyle and the same glasses and... Be- <laughs> well, actually, different glasses, because I've got new ones here. Oh, uh, Nice stuff off. going up there, Mister Dual Printer, sir. Um, yeah, we're coming. We're, we're coming into summer now. We've had our winter. Now we're into summer. Yep. Yep. The, the, we're only two seasons in, in Queensland. <laughs> we don't have four. We just got two. Why have I got a jacket on if we're in summer? I got my aircon on. <laughs> <laughs> so I just put the fan on because it's a little bit stuffy. But other than that, we had rain last night, and well, we actually had rain today. Rain. It's been pretty muggy today. So we had rain all day, but. Yesterday, I think it was 32 or 33 or something like that. And then it was like <laughs> four degrees overnight. Oh, jeez, man. So you've got to leave the aircon on auto because it confuses you. <laughs> it's like... What, it, what does my Aussie Bite Fitbit watch app with the weather say? 14 degrees currently and 20 tomorrow. There you go. If you had a Fitbit, you too could have a Aussie Bite. If I had a Fitbit... I'd just, I'd just stop there. If I had a Fitbit, it'd be... <laughs> I'd be a bit fit. That's it, exactly. That's, that's so, it. That's, maybe that's the problem. It's failed. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I need a Fitbit to get fit. Fit, Fitbit to, well, get, to get fit. I've got one, but it hasn't helped me. <laughs> I think you've got to wear it and use it. I, oh, <laughs> just, I think it's leaving... Do you? <laughs> don't you just stick it on your arm <laughs> and then suddenly you drop 20 kilos yeah, like, and get a six-pack? I don't think that's the problem. Oh. Hey, lied to maybe, me when maybe I it's, bought it. Maybe it's the six-pack that's the problem. <laughs> False advertising. <laughs> they said get a six-pack, but they didn't say, I don't think you're supposed to buy the six-pack. <laughs> it's in the fridge. I had five of them before the show. What, five six-packs? 
Yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> Not actually. a lot. Well, your problem. <laughs> uh, so are you guys going to be there with the bit of the few going around? Yeah, it's a thing up here at the moment. It's just changed because we changed so seasons so abruptly. I think you sort of, especially we were still getting the cold nights and the hot days. So yeah. Um, it's not really, a, it's not really a flu, it's just a change of season, sort of hay fevery coffee stuff, it's really annoying, but, um. Yeah, that's why I went on the antihistamines <clears throat> yesterday, had to start on that again. Mm. Ah, bloody things. So, but, uh, tis all fun and games. Yeah. Pretty any cool stuff lately? <coughs> nah. Nah. Might not pass no printing up. at all. Printer done be dead. Yeah, the hot end. The hot end's not a hot end anymore. Oh, it's gotten cold. <laughs> I don't know. It gets hot. It just doesn't do anything once it's hot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not terribly helpful, is it? No, not overly. No, no. I'm waiting on new hot end. New, um, actually, new tips turned up today. I got some four. I got point uh, fours and point five, or point fours and point six, something like that. Um, yep. So I know what size I'm actually printing with, which is half the problem. But yeah, then I need another actual hot head, hot end, hot head. Um, I've already got a hot head. Because it, that one um, it just never seems to extrude properly. It doesn't really matter how many times I clean it or whatever. It just never seems 100% happy. So Get a new one. But, mm, got a new one coming. I, I'm going to order an all metal one. Which so it doesn't yeah. have the PTFE tube that goes down the center. It's a metal center, and the PTFE tube joins at the top. Well, all right. Um, nice upgrades. Yeah, but that's, I want to make sure it's printing properly first, and then I'll get that. Yeah. Don't want to throw any money at it and find out it ain't going to work anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, I did order the cable for it so I can run my Raspberry Pi on it so I can use Octoprint on it now. Sweet. So, there's that. Because the Pi W has got micro s micro usb and that thing's got micro usb so i needed a micro i needed a micro usb to a mini usb all oh, right <laughs> <laughs> which because never i don't think a cable i've ever used in my life no so me neither I, I didn't definitely didn't have one of those <laughs> so you mentioned this thing going across the top um facebook.com slash your tickets no the one that just <laughs> went off while you're talking <laughs> Um, yeah, so Patreon dot, patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Eds. You can find us there. Uh, well, you, you can find some information on us there. You can give us money there. That'd be great. Um, yeah, basically, it, uh, it helps us out. Helps us with um, Getting drunk at the Christmas and, party. Well, if there's enough of it, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, it helps us with uh, hardware and software and services and support and all that sort of stuff to keep the show operational so obviously don't the only problem it. is if we had the christmas party up your way i'm gonna have to stay in a hotel for 14 days we've got a granny flight down the back oh this is government hotel you can isolate down there just, they don't, won't let me. just, don't, just don't tell anyone no as soon as you get off the plane they chuck you in the motel people only know if you tell them if, they, if you don't tell them they don't know <laughs> 2800 bucks no, for 14 days stupid isn't it and they wonder, uh, people are wondering how they're going to recoup their money from all the money they're giving out. <laughs> That's how they're Yeah, we know. Gotcha. <laughs> Suckers. Uh, so, but, well, don't um, worry. The, the uh, federal government's hating on the Queensland and Victoria ones at the moment for their lockdown. So somebody's going to break sooner or later. Not, the fed, not just the federal government. Everybody. 
Everybody hates them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We could always go to a border town and have a party there. Yeah. <laughs> you, you said on one side of the border, we'll sit on the other side of the border. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Planet Will. <laughs> you got to tweet heads. What was that? You have to speak up. You can go to tweet heads because that's on the bubble. There we go. Yeah, do both. But yeah, no, so yeah, Patreon, basically, if you don't know, Patreon is a. Um, it's basically you can give us you know, a couple of bucks a month uh, for, you know, it will eventually have uh, behind the scenes and there'll be special access, early access stuff and things like that that only patrons will get, uh, depending on what tier you purchase. Um, $4 tier being the basic one, $4 a month, $1 a show, basically. Uh, if nothing else, it makes us, forces us to do the show because you're now paying us for the show, so we have to do it. So we don't really have a choice anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it just helps to, to go towards equipment and, and hosting and services and, and all sorts of stuff we need. And um, The internet costs money, people. Uh, everything, and not just everything, not only the internet, everything to do with the internet costs money. <laughs> so I'd like to thank uh, Chris and David Bird and Daniel and Amanda D and Bouncing Yellow Skull and uh, C. C. Den, Denview. Denview. You need to send me an email, dude, and tell me how to say your name. <laughs> so, <laughs> With an um, MP3 attached. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, that's something we're going to implement. There's actually, um, we have the ability, and I'm just in the process of setting it up. You'll be able to go to our um, host that we upload our uh, podcast to, and you'll be able to leave us voice messages there. There's actually a button you can click to leave us a voice message. So that's, be the, that's pretty cool. So that's something you too to can be on the Aussie Tech Head. No, that's it. You can, you know, we can put you on the show or put your pre-roll. There's options to set you as a pre-roll for that episode if we choose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, so that's something. You know, if you don't feel obliged, obviously, but if you can spare a couple bucks a month, feel free to throw it our way because we're not going to complain. That's for sure. Appreciate it. Um, we should do some news then. Yeah, it's actually it's a reasonable amount of news. News this week for the first time in a while. Like, specially crafted Windows 10 themes and theme packs can be used in past the hash attacks to steal Windows account credentials mm. from unsuspecting users. Windows allows users to create custom themes that contain customized colors, sounds, mouse cursors, and wallpaper the operating system will use. Windows users can then switch between different themes as desired to change the appearance of the operating system. The theme settings are saved under the App Data Microsoft Windows Themes folder as a file with the .theme extension, such as custom dark.theme. Windows themes can then be shared with other users by right-clicking on an active theme and selecting save theme for sharing, which will package them into a .desk theme pack file. These desktop theme packs can then be shared by email or as downloads on websites and installed by double-clicking on them. This weekend, security researcher Jimmy Bain, also known as Bohops on Twitter, revealed that specifically crafted Windows themes could be used to perform pass the hash attacks. Pass the hash attacks are used to steal Windows login names and password hashes by tricking a user into accessing a remote SMB share that requires authentication. When trying to access the remote resource, Windows will automatically try to log into the remote system by sending the Windows user's login name and an LTL, NTLM hash of their password. When a pass the hash attack, the sent credentials are harvested by the attackers who then attempt to dehash the password access the visitor's login name and password. That seems fine. Nothing, yeah, like, nothing, this is ab fine. 
I mean, nothing about that seems out of the ordinary at all for a Windows. <laughs> really? Full of holes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's part of its charm, isn't it? It's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> People pay good money for that. Uh, even even better than that, it's a bugged feature. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, no, I mean... Is that a thing people do? Is really sharing themes something, sharing Windows themes, is that a thing that people really do? There are a lot of things that I don't understand that people do, and I'm like, I, I know. And then I get a job stopping them from doing those stupid things, don't I? I mean, I get a lot of things like themes on. How much Viagra do you need? Seriously. <laughs> I know, right? Well, you see. <laughs> um, but I don't know. The thing I don't understand, okay, I get. Like maybe a browser theme or a Discord or an OBS, you know, a theme like that. I understand because it's the part of the program that you're actively using. Yeah. You don't really use Windows per se. Once you've booted Windows and you've loaded the program you're using, you effectively don't need Windows. This screen has <laughs> got a program on that half. That half. This yeah. monitor's got a program on it. That monitor's got a program. I can't see my background. No. That's what I'm saying. Windows is not really something you use. It's not a theme isn't going to be any benefit because you don't, unless you're one of those people who sits there and plays solitaire all day. But you used <laughs> to have a mouse cursor that looked like an actual mouse. I used to have a mouse cursor that looked like a dinosaur. Ah, see? Yeah. <laughs> Themes. But you see the mouse. It's like, And then you could have flying toasters and crap that's oh, I used to love flying toasters. I used to love the flying toast. Uh, app in general it was awesome <laughs> and then I used to have Christmas tree lights and they used to go up and around the border of the screen and they used to blink uh, yeah. and like they'd change colours at one frame a second <laughs> did you have Bill Gates cleaning your screen on yeah, the screen yeah Windows Windows cleaner yep and, and I used that to... guy who was on the island yeah I used Stuck to on love all those just different things he used to, to like cut down trees and a coconut would fall on his head and yeah I used to love those. I actually follow a guy on Twitter who's got like an account. It's like Island Dude or something. And every day it's just this stupid thing. It's got an island with a palm tree and a guy on it. It's a stick figure and something stupid happens. (laughs) Every single day he does a new cartoon of this Island Dude. Like one time he's out fishing and he pulls up his fishing line and a plug comes out of the ocean and it drains. And he's like, what? (laughs) I just love seeing that every day. It's just something funny to see with all the crap that's going on in Twitter all the time. After Dark. After Dark, yep. You used to have the sheep. The sheep used to eat your icons. The e-sheep. The e-sheep, yeah. E-sheep, I love the e-sheep. Every now and then he go, and then fade away, then come back again. Yeah, it was awesome. I used to... I forgot, had forgotten all about it. Actually. Back in the old days when things were fun. Yeah, pretty much. Um, now look at our boring computers. <laughs> Nothing happens. So, but I mean, that was back when you know productivity wasn't. You know, you used to be able to sit there and have a screensaver playing. You know, and you press eleven F eleven for the boss, boss mode, key, which would <laughs> pop up a fake Excel spreadsheet. Boss key was boss. Um, Rise of the Triad had that too. Yeah. You'd press F11 and it'd drop you to a DOS prompt. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing's there. It's working really hard. Uh, I, I had um, 
uh, aquarium. Yeah, the aquarium was I actually really cool. I liked that. There was a three D fish or whatever it's called. Mm. That thing was brilliant. And I had the I had a Monty Python one as well. A Monty All Python. Right. Um, I can't find a reference to it anywhere. It's like I was the only person in the world that had it. But it came as a CD with like one of the PC mags or something. It was one of the first CDs I ever got. And it was full of like clips and everything. It was great. These are things you share, people, not Windows things. Yeah. Anymore anyway. That's it. So You're not gonna see it when your farm bill's taken over the only monitor you've got. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, no, no, those were the days. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> If only there's some sort of show or an outlet that we had that we could do something like that with old technology. Right. <laughs> I wonder if I've still got the... I've probably still got the graphics kicking around here somewhere. I have to re- boot, re- reboot. Reboot. Old Fart Geeks rebooted. Yeah. <laughs> boot the Old Fart Geeks. <laughs> Somebody should. Uh, um, <coughs> so just something quickly. If you're interested, Audi is selling 58-inch 4K Ultra HD Android TVs. On Saturday, the 19th. So, Saturday coming. Netflix on there. Um, yeah, the um, 58 inch display or 146 centimeters, 4K Ultra HD, 60 hertz, HDMI, 3 by USB, USB, one optical port, really. <laughs> Three and a half mil headphone, Wi Fi, Android TV, but they're not sure what version. Uh, PVR recording in HD. Um, yeah, they're not sure what version of Android TV it's running, but it would seem, based on the pictures, it could be TV version 9. Um, Do I have the pricey? I didn't actually... Ah, oh, for 579 So that's pretty decent for a 58-inch HD, 579 So if you're looking for a new HD TV with all the bells and light, pretty much, I mean, it's, it's going to have everything you want to do. Um, Two years ago, I bought a 50-inch TV for like $700. Yeah. It only does 1080p. No, no, I was the same. I, I, got, I was about to say... And it same. came with the TCL store, but they wouldn't put Netflix into next year's model, so they wanted me to get rid of a TV I bought one year ago and buy the next model just so I could watch Netflix. So yep. I got a PlayStation. I'm exactly the same. I got the TCL. It's exactly the same. <laughs> so, And my TCL, the YouTube app's outdated now. won't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I got a media center I bought one of those $49 eBay media centers yeah and I just do everything through that that does everything anyway so, so it solved that problem care, right? yeah but um, the hell you just pissing off the MP <laughs> yeah I don't know right? but I think mine was yeah eight eight fifty or 800 bucks something like that and that yeah. was a 50 it was a 50 or a 55 inch but I went in to get a 40 because I had had a 26. Yeah. And when I looked at the 40s and looked at the 50s, I'm like, that's 40's not going to do it. No. Well, at my in-law's place, they just bought a 68. Yep. I think it is. Um, but it's a, be- it's a bezel-less, so it's you know, nice. full 68. But their lounge room's that big that it looks smaller than my 50. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like it's like it's like this big like you're looking it's like in the old days when I used to sit down and watch our CRT, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's I'm trying to get them to upgrade to a hundred inch and I don't know where I can mount that one. <laughs> I'll tell you where you can mount it. 
How would you like the opportunity to pay money to Firefox? About that much. Firefox is exploring subscriptions and other value exchange services to ease its financial dependence on its rival Google, according to the browser's lead developer. Firefox maker Mozilla is in the uneasy position of being financially dependent on its search deal with Google, which accounts for the majority of the organization's revenue. Although Mozilla only last month renewed the search deal, ensuring Google remains the default search engine for Firefox in the US and other territories, the company is keen to explore other ways of raising revenue, including charging users for services. Mozilla's partnership with Google is an uncomfortable alliance, not only because the companies distribute rival browsers, but because their values are markedly different. While Google generates the vast bulk of its revenue from online advertising, Firefox's developers expend much of their effort creating tools that thwart advertisers, including the automatic blocking of third-party tracking tools and social media trackers. At Mozilla, we tend to believe things are at their best when users have the transparent value exchange, said Dave Camp, Senior Vice President of Firefox at Mozilla. The advertising model has become a default way to fund things on the internet and to fund products, and we're pretty interested, not just for financial reasons, but actually for health of the internet reasons, explore how can we do better for users than advertising. Mozilla recently began charging users $4.99 a month through its VPN product, and Camp says the company is exploring other subscription products. We don't have any intermediate plans on the Firefox team to, team to do add-on services or anything like that at the moment, but we're going to look at other ways to get some value exchange going on. So Opera gives you a free VPN. Yeah, I was going to say, here's the confusing part about this. I have NordVPN if I want to VPN the entire system or my server or, you know, whatever. So yeah. I use that for a complete system VPN. If I only want a browser one, browser-based one, then I use Opera because it has a free VPN. Yeah. It does mean, of course, you're restricted to using Opera and you got to be careful because if you're not thinking, you're thinking, you know... You're half asleep and you open another browser, not thinking that you're only using the, the Opera VPN, you know. But um, I don't mind paying. Like, I'll pay like for Adblock Plus, for example, in Chrome. Yeah. You know, every 12 months or whatever, they pop up and say, hey, it's been 12 months, you know, would you like to throw us a couple of bucks? Yeah, no worries. I'll chuck you a couple of bucks. You know, I'm happy to do that. If it's a model like that, I'm fine with that. You yep. know, if it's like pay what you want sort of model, um, then yeah, I'll give you 10 bucks a year. But you know, even if we give you a dollar a year, but the thing is, if you get 100 million users giving you a dollar a year, it's probably more than you're making now. But if you try I give money to paint.net because I use that damn thing all the time. It's fantastic software. Yeah. But if you say you're going to pay us $5 a month or we're going to restrict features, I'm going to go, well, I'll go to a different browser that doesn't. So I don't mind paying for it. It's not like it's the it. only one there is. No. I don't mind paying for it as long as you let me choose when and how I'm going to pay for it. You know, if you say, um, you know, we've got, you know, you can you can give us a couple of bucks, you know, whenever you want, or then yeah, sure, I'll I'll do that. Um, given that's not Patreon. my Patreon, but given that's not my primary browser, my primary browser is still Chrome, regardless of whether or not it should be. It is, um, and I wouldn't. I mean, we use okay, we use uh, Thunderbird. Um, for both work and at home, and I'd be happy to pay, you know, ten bucks a year to use Thunderbird commercially. Yeah, it's that's not a problem. It's I, I mean, you know, the only other option is well, the only other 
general option is Outlook and it's far superior to Outlook. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, but once again, don't force me to pay you $10 a year. Give me the option to say, hey, would you like to chuck us a couple of bucks? Okay, yeah. yeah, no worries. Even if it pops up once every few yeah. months and say, hi. You're going to get yeah. far more people giving you a couple of bucks a couple of times a year than you are people giving you 10 bucks once a year. Yeah. You know, so ultimately, you're going to come out in front as long as you're not greedy. So that's why I stopped using their firewall because they wanted to charge for it. I, I already pay for a firewall <laughs> if I want to lock my system down. I'm not paying for a browser-specific firewall. No. You know, I'm happy just to go back and click the on button on my Nord every time I want to use it if that's the case. I don't have a problem doing that. I just don't want to go through the hassle of having to close my Chrome browser so that YouTube and Facebook and my banking <laughs> software don't crack it at me because I'm in suddenly in a different country all of a sudden. <laughs> Which is the reason on my primary system I don't use a full system and, you know, VPN. Because you do... I don't because I can't use Minecraft. Well, Minecraft's another one, but banks, Facebook, Google... Um, you know, all these services you use, Twitter, all these services you use regularly, they go, hang on, why are you suddenly in Korea? And you're like, well, well, you see. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't use it on my primary system. I use it on my NAS. I use it on my server. I use it on my set-top box. I use it on um, the computers out in the shed and stuff like that that are running like Windows XP because they're really ancient laptops. So I use NordVPN on them, which realistically, it just stops it doesn't do much but if somebody does hack into it they're going to have a hell of a time finding the actual source of that program you know like (laughs) that's the only really reason I use it out there plus actually sometimes on some on a couple of the websites I use um, they run better through a VPN and I don't understand why Uh, I'm with Aussie Broadband so they don't throttle they don't they don't monitor and throttle websites so it's not if I was with Telstra or Optus I'd expect that to be the case um but I think what happens is once the traffic leaves Aussie Broadband, I think then it gets monitored. Like yeah. They don't monitor it, but they're only, at the end of the day, renting the back There's end. only a couple of exit points from Australia. Exactly. And I think they're the ones that get monitored. So if you run a VPN, even though your your peak speed may be less, I think a lot of the time the throughput is, is, is higher quality throughput. Like it, it may be a lower speed, but you drop less packets and the quality of the transmission is better. You might find your YouTubes and Netflixes work better. Uh, well, I find like we use uh, movies.do, which is a movie streaming service. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm paying for the movies. I'm not torrenting them because I'm paying them $5 a year to use the service. Yep. If they don't pass that on, that's not my problem. I'm paying for the service. So I have no problems at all streaming movies that way. Um, but I find that, yeah when I use it directly, you get to about three quarters of the way through a movie and it starts buffering and going weird and carrying on. If I use a VPN, it do- I can't watch it in, uh, I can't watch it in um, H- full HD. So, uh, yeah, I have to watch it in 720. I can't watch it in 1080 because I don't have the sp- overall speed. Yep. But I don't have the buffering issues. It's just a much smoother, a smoother thing. I can drop it down as far as I can drop it down as far as 360 without a VPN that still buffers and carries on. So it's not a speed thing. It's definitely a a quality of transmission issue, quality yeah. of service. So, so yeah. And I mean, as I said, like, so I'm not going to pay them five dollars a month to have a VPN when I have a VPN. But if you incorporate that into the browser and you let me pay a couple of bucks a year for the browser, then yes, absolutely, I'll pay for it. There we go. So. 
You sold him Firefox. There's your new business model. <laughs> and but I mean that's that shouldn't be just that. That should be the business. If you're on the internet, that should be your business model. Don't tell me what to pay. You allow me to pay you what I choose to pay you. And, and the chance, you know, and people who love the program and use it commercially are going to pay you more. You know, because they use it more, they rely on it, they love it, so and you're making their life easier, so ultimately they'll pay you more. People who use it two times a year aren't going to probably pay you, and that's fine because you know, you've got this happy medium thing going on. You know, or if you stipulate, look, if you use this for not so much a web browser, but say a I don't know, say a backup program for example. Even if you stipulate and say, look, chuck us five bucks if you want for private use. Otherwise, it's free to use. If you're using commercially, you need to throw us 10 bucks. Like, come on. Yep. You know, like, do that. Split it into two things. Um, I, I had a used a program today to clone a hard drive onto an SSD. And um, there was a free op, an unpaid option or a paid option. And the unpaid option you could still do it, but you had to go through and manually assign the petitions and the allocations and the size of each petition and you had to yep. do it all manually. Whereas if you paid them 10 bucks, that's all it was, was $10 for a yearly subscription. Yep. They all oh, that was automated. So yeah. they, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't restrict their product to the point you couldn't use it. They simply took some of the... Um, ease of use away. Ease of use and yeah, some of the... the you know, if you're a business using that software, you would pay them $10 a year because that that time save is definitely worth it. But if you're doing it twice a year, you're going to put up with the inconvenience of having to spend half an hour and, and shuffle everything across manually. Yeah. You know, so I really think that's the way that um, payment in general, whether it's software or whether it's media, I think that's the way it needs to go. It needs to come down to the individual person needs to be conscious of their use case and and be accordingly. It goes back to the old days of freeware where, same thing, I mean, look at WinRAR. It's been freeware forever, you know. And obviously... The company hasn't gone bust. No, and obviously people are still using it because it's been around for 30 years and people must pay them money because they're still up and around, you know. So, I don't know. I don't know who, but I'm sure... <laughs> It must be the commercial. It must be the commercial licenses keeping them afloat. I think. I don't think any consumer ever has paid for it. No. <laughs> they even have a. They used to. I don't know if they still do. On their website, they used to have the nag tool remover. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. On their own website, they could remove their <laughs> nag screen. <laughs> they figured somebody's already created it. We might as well chuck it on our website, so it's easy for you to find. <laughs> Those guys are great. I remember they used to have one of those on, um, there was a program that would skip all nagging screens on the Amiga called Gomph. Get out of my face. Uh, Anytime it came up with a shareware thing saying countdown and then click here or click here to continue, it automatically do all of those for you. Yep. Um, Speaking of Google. Google says it supports Australian media and not to blame for the newspaper classifieds decline. So this is continuing from the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how the Australian media basically wants to ban everything from looking at their sites because that's going to help their problem. They don't want <laughs> customers or readers or viewers. It just means they just got to do less work, it's all. Yeah. Nobody reads their stuff. They haven't got to write the stuff, do they? <laughs> <laughs> Google has start, stated that while it does not object to there being a news media bargaining code, it disagrees with the one that has been proposed. 
Just to be clear, Google does not object to the idea of an Australian code of overseas relationships between new businesses and digital platform, it said in the latest blog post. We've already made agreements to pay publishers for content through the licensing program and several Australian publishers have come on board. What we don't agree with is the law that's totally unworkable from a product and business perspective. We know that many voices have called for changes to the current draft law. Google want to explain how it currently supports and does not use nor steal network content, uh, news content. We link to stories just like we link to every other story. Think Wikipedia entries, personal blogs or business websites. How we connect people with news content is no different than, say, search your footy team's homepage, your website with your favourite recipes or official government websites. The search giant also reinforced how it does not make money from news content because it's not financially lucrative for us to do so. Pointing out last year, news content generated a mere $10 million AU in revenue. Rather, Google makes money from ads and only if user clicks on them. People come to Google to find many things, whether it's how-to videos for recipes, sports, weather's forecasts, outfit ideas, or home insurance, it wrote. Uh, news is only a very small part of this con- con- content. Well, I couldn't understand content for a reason. It represents a tiny proportion of search queries. In fact, we looked at all the billions of searches that Australians typed into Google over the past year and found just over 1% of those were news-related. Um... Google Ad that supports Australian news media business by policing on the vast majority of money advertisers pay them directly to Australian publishers. So, basically, um, yeah, this is what we've been saying. They don't, you know, they don't make the money. And let, I mean, they would make money if somebody clicked a link to go to a news site that had a Google ad on that news site. Yeah, but they're not. They don't make the money from the link being clicked directly on on there. Like that's not how it works. Um, so I I can't believe like despite all this outrage and how everything's been um, uh, the both the public and businesses are saying no that you're wrong. This is not going to work. They somehow managed to think that this is a good idea like i don't understand i i don't know unless i'm missing something but i I just don't understand i don't understand their end goal not only are they losing customers and losing the ability for their stories to get noticed but they're willingly they're willingly do i i don't know i don't know um they Most, reckon they're going to make billions out of it somehow. I don't get it. But but what they're saying is between 2002 and 2018, newspaper revenue fell from $4.4 billion to $3 billion. And they're saying that 92% of that was from the loss of classified ads. And most of these classified revenues went to specialist online providers that target niches such as job advertising, secondhand goods, or real estate. They're not Almost Google, none they? went to Google. And this is the thing. Like... <laughs> like Blame Craigslist. They play Google. Or, you know, Marketplace or eBay or Gumtree. Or, and Google doesn't have a buy, swap, sell section. I'm sorry. But <laughs> I, I just... They're never going to make sense. It doesn't make any sense. And this then is why have, we're not in um, news, media or politics. And another problem is you're also going to have... You, you're basically going to have a gaming system here now where... You're going to have websites who aren't 
specifically news, like there could be a retail organization, for example, but they do have, like Aussie Tech Heads, we're not, you know, like you could say that Aussie Tech Heads isn't, I mean, we're, we're a podcast network who happens to do news, but you could say like when we do our tweets and things like that, that there is often news-related stories in those tweets. But because we're not a news organization, those news stories will still be picked up. So our tweets will still show on Google and our Facebook posts will still show on Google even though they're news stories but because we're not a news organization. So what's going to start happening is people are going to start piggybacking news stories through retail outlets, for example, that vaguely resemble something in their industry just so that they get the hits. So they're going to get free a free piggyback ride off Google because they're not going to be they're not going to be publishing news stories but they'll be publishing a story loosely based on their organization that happens to come from a news agency <laughs> they just they subscribe to a bunch of news twitter accounts where people put out a little summary and not link to anything and there you go you can get your well news that's the thing they can't link See, you can write the story well you could write a full facebook article as long yeah. as you don't put a news link in it you're fine yeah. The second you link to a mainstream, that's what I'm saying. Like, so a retail outlet like Aussie Tech Eds or, or whatever could have a, a a poll page that has news stories on it. As long as there's no link to an Australian media outlet, yeah. then that will get priority because it'll still search the headlines, it'll still search the stories, so it'll still show up on Google. Well, people can subscribe to <laughs> Aussie Tech News on Twitter and you'll see all the local and that international work. tech stuff because we the- went. At the moment, that links. Yeah, but if we don't link yeah, to any news I'm stories saying. anymore and just put in the summary, <clears throat> you get a summary of everything you need to know and that's it. We'd have to People check. only read headlines anyway. Yeah, I know, right? Not read the article. They're either for headline and the last two lines. Clickbait. But that's exactly what's going to have to happen, you know, and that's what will happen and that will help with SEO because you'll have the searchable title that someone is looking for and maybe a paragraph at best of what the actual news story is with no link to go anywhere. Or if you yeah. do link, it's going to be linking to like your Facebook page or something. Like there's going to be a, a you know, a non-media related link at the end of it. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you use a Bitly or a, a, a Google, or actually no, Google doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. Use a web shortener, then nobody's going to yeah. know where it goes anyway until they click on it. <laughs> Actually, how do they handle that? They'll have to get onto Bitly. Bitly is now banned in Australia. It links to Australian <laughs> news articles. I was going to say, how are they going to handle that? Because is is Google smart enough to follow a link? Yeah. It is. So if you had a Bitly link, yeah. it would follow... Unless it's got a no follow directive on it, which nobody ever puts on there. Okay. So it would actually follow that link and go, no, hang on, this is actually going to a media outlet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We do that all the time at work. We have web crawlers and stuff, and they follow the link to follow the link to follow the link and see where it ends up. So you can see, because the, the spammers will put like a, um, a spam message on a page and then write a comment on somebody's blog post or something and then link to the blog post comment, which then links to the spam. So if we just went to the first one and say, oh, well, this is just a comment on somebody's blog no problem but then we follow the next link and find out actually goes to the bad stuff so there's some browser directives to automatically refresh to a new location once you get to the first one and stuff like that so speaking of spam 
We've yeah. got <clears throat> at work today round cube spam. Oh, what? Pe- people imitating round cube. They're saying <laughs> that your email address needs to be backed up. Please click on this link, otherwise your account's going to be disabled at the end of the week. How many normal end user people know what a round cube is? Or well, it's mail round, or... round cube. Well, it says round cube webmail via your cPanel account. It actually has your webs. Actually had the website. Uh. And then the from address was webmail at batterycentralbrisbane.com. Like, it was a legitimate, that has put webmail at the front. Like, it looked legit. It almost caught me out because I'd just yeah. come out of cPanel. I was actually dicking around in cPanel doing something else. Yeah. And, and I almost actually clicked on it. And it wasn't until I actually right-clicked on the link and copied the link and pasted it into the browser and looked at it. Yeah. And I realized it was a redirect. But That ain't right. It was, Yeah. It was like they used um, Roundcube's proper page formatting and everything. Yeah. So they actually put some effort into it. Bastages. Mm. I meant to show you earlier. I actually forgot, but yeah, <laughs> thought you might find that one interesting. So be on the lookout for look out, be on the lookout for wet Roundcube. Um, basically, Roundcube is a webmail. So if you've got a, a website and you've got a backend host like cPanel. You'd have an option like uh, Roundcube or what's the other one, Squirrel? Squirrel. Or there's a couple others. Um, but yeah, so you normally wouldn't worry about it because normally your emails would then forward to your Outlook or your you know, Thunderbird or Gmail or wherever you're sending them to. Um, but yeah, they made it look legit saying that it's Roundcube because Roundcube would be one of the services that accesses your mail if you logged in through the browser. Um, you might look legit saying that yeah, your your account's full, it needs to be compressed and backed up. Click on this link to, to do it. So mm. nasty stuff. I'll so have to keep an eye out for that. Be wary. Oh, if I remember tomorrow I threw it I threw it in the uh, trash. If I remember tomorrow I'll dig it out. Dip and, it up and send it to me. Yeah. Viewers are flocking to games during the pandemic and transpire charismatic grandmaster and his lightning fast play. On a recent afternoon, thousands of non-combatants watched him from the sidelines as their general ordered his troops across the battlefield and became locked in a furious duel with the enemy. At one point, he berated himself for a tactical misstep that could have cost his side the high-stakes conflict. Then he smiled and began outmaneuvering his foe. I can't lose, Hikaru Nakamura said to exultant onlookers. Victory seemed close as members of the opposing team. Army were vanquished one by one. I win again. There you go, guys. Wow, Mr. Nakamura gave himself just a moment's respite and plunged directly into the fray. Pawns, knights, bishops, and even kings fell before him as the chess grandmaster demolished a slate of online challenges, all while narrating the tide of the battle to tens of thousands of fans watching him stream live on Twitch, the Amazon-owned site where people usually broadcast themselves playing video games like Fortnite and Call of Duty. The coronavirus pandemic and stay-at-home orders have crowned a host of unlikely winners catering to bored audiences. For watching live streams of chess games, if one of the world's oldest and most cerebral games really rebrand itself as lively enough pastime to capture the interest of masses on Twitch, turns out it already has. Since the pandemic began, viewers of live chess games has soared. From March through August, people watched 41.2 million hours of chess on Twitch, mm-hmm. four times as many hours as in the past previous six months, according to the analytics site Salinoom. In June, an amateur chess tournament called PogChamps was briefly the top viewed stream on Twitch with 63,000 people watching all at once. And a popular Twitch gamers like Felix Langyell, better known as XQCOW, also recently started streaming chess. 
You wouldn't think that'd be that exciting for people who are all into the Overwatches and Fortnites, but no, chess is interesting. I think it's because it's different, and at the moment people are just after different. The same old thing. I noticed my YouTube. I went. I'm actually like look at my YouTube history, and I'm been scrolling through it, and I've noticed over the last two months, mm-hmm. both my YouTube and my Twitch. Uh, has changed with what I'm watching a lot. I mean, I still watch a lot of my regular ones that I watch, but the random ones I watch now are a lot different than what they were, um, you know, even, even, even a couple of months ago. Um, you know, like stuff I I wouldn't normally bother clicking on, like this guy who made himself, uh, the world's, he's calling it the world's smallest PC. Yeah. And, um, it's a fully playable, you know, plays games and stuff, and it's a, oh, wow. he's got a one-inch display. <laughs> you play Pac-Man on it? Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> he's playing like Fortnite and stuff on it. But does it play Doom? Yeah, yeah, he's playing all this stuff. <laughs> That's what you always he, have to he's say. He's streaming to Twitch in like his... He couldn't afford another camera, so he mounted a webcam onto his hat and he uses that as his head mount and his captions. Now, I don't know if that's it's a bigger screen, I think, than the pregnancy tester somebody installed Doom on recently and was playing on, on YouTube. Yeah, well, oh, well, actually, the funny thing is that's just here. Wait, I just literally just saw that too. Hang on, that's in my history. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, so there's a pregnancy tester with a little LCD screen that's got Doom running on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing what you can run on those things. I um, was reading, yeah, the, the pregnancy tester strips that you get, the cheap throwaway ones that just show you two lines or one line, depending if you're pregnant or not. The electronic ones, the only thing they do is have a photoreceptor that looks and sees if there's one or two lines and says pregnant or not. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just got a little screen to read two lines for you or not. Yep. It's, um... And people chuck them in the bin. It's got a CPU, some RAM. Uses Bluetooth Bluetooth controller. Little LCD screen. <laughs> yeah, there's a um, Doom on a digital camera from 1998. It's, it's the funny thing is, it's like one frame a second in the real world. Like the actual viewfinder is so so bad. Yeah. But when he's playing Doom, it's actually like it's better. <laughs> it plays nice. Doom better than it plays a digital camera. <laughs> I want it now. I want that camera just so I can play it. Uh, it's nuts, isn't it? So. I'll be playing it on my RG three hundred and fifty M True device. Yeah, which I got. I've. I've Started printing the stuff for that, but I said I got to wait to print the rest of that because yeah, it's I was having, snap. having nozzle problems and stuff, and I couldn't get layer adhesion proper. It's fine down here; it's just this bit here. So I'm just going to cut a bit of um, a little bit of uh, plastic, flat, flat yep. plastic that's the same size as this, and I'll just super glue it to the back, which will stop this from oh, giving nice. a bit more support. But that's you know. That's the it holder for it. I've got the grips. I've got which I cannot figure out how I'm going to print those because if you've looked at those <laughs> things in the slicer, no, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm pretty mad. Well, is it? it starts off the bottom of the grips, so you've got like a little point like that. So yeah. they go that way. So that's got to adhere to the bed somehow. 
So yeah. So if you can't do it, don't worry. There's a guy selling one on eBay. Oh, I can do it. I'll just have to make. I'll have to print them on a raft. But I don't know the raft settings for this thing, so I can't. But I can't yeah. do it until I get the rest of the parts for it anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um. So there's a. It's it's that time of the year again where they're doing the Are You Okay um, push, which is basically. Yeah, basically, the importance of talking to friends, having a chat, even strangers, random people, find someone on... Even weirdos like this. Yeah, I know, like, you know. <laughs> but even, you know, if you jump on Discord and have a chat to random people, it just, you know, it's one of those things, especially people getting stuck in the house all day, it helps just to have, um, you know, outside connections to some degree. Um, but what they've done is... Um, Google has partner has sort of become on board with this now and they have a randomized uh thing you can sign up for uh and it works for the google assistant and you can just say um uh, google talk to are you okay mate and it will randomly hook you up with somebody else who wants to chat to somebody um via that and you can have the conversation through your through your google assistant um and of course, if you choose to, then you can get their details and you can talk to them, you know, email her, or she want to do it. But I just thought it was a pretty cool little thing that you can, you know, you can use that on your phone because obviously your phone supports Google as well. So whether you're on your phone or whether you've got an assistant or whether you've got a, a Google Home or a Google TV or, or whatever you've got, you'd be able to just randomly chat to somebody. So. New Fitbit Watch has got Google Assistant. I wonder if I could do it through there. Why are you running? <laughs> <laughs> She you ran. Why are you panting? I'm running. Are you okay? What are you running? What? No. Speak up. No, I'm not okay. Do I look like I'm okay? <laughs> That's what, yeah. Hopefully, you'd be wearing a headset at that point. Um. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Just, just you know, a lot of people bag Google for various reasons and and Google Assist and the way they're always listening and stuff like. That. But when something like this um, is a thing that's, you know, I, I fully support this. I have no problems with this being a thing. Mm. You know, it's not a privacy issue. It's not a concern. It's not anything like that. It's literally a way to reach out and get assistance or just take your mind off it or de-stress or sometimes talking, to a, sometimes talking to a stranger is better than talking to somebody you know yeah. because there's no expectations. There's no preconceptions. There's no stigmatisms. It's literally you can say whatever you want because you're never going to speak to this person ever again in your entire life if you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, you can obviously if you you know if you happen to you know become friends or whatever, but you don't have to have that expectation to do that, and you can just literally sit there and spew stuff out of your mouth for an hour, and chances are somebody's going to sit there and listen. You yeah. Know? Sorry, no, it's pretty cool. So so check that out. You know, uh, I'm not into the Facebook posting of the AUKs and that sort of stuff, but no. just that's just me. But it's absolutely something, and I and I and I know that my friends are are uh, are aware of that if they haven't had help. And I often get random texts or Facebooks or whatever at two o'clock in the morning saying, "Hey, can you chat for five minutes?" I'm, you know, sure, whatever. Or we'll talk to some weirdo about Minecraft on Discord. Yeah, or someone fishing, playing, <laughs> catching bloody angel columns or whatever the hell those things were. <laughs> trying try to get out of a three by three room. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. I'm stuck in a three by three room. I need help. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, no, that's just something handy to to be aware of. And yeah. 
it's not a bad idea to jump on and see what you can actually do with your Google Home and Google Assistant. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that you can do that I keep forgetting that you can even do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a new large-scale survey of the sky looks into the dark forest of the cosmos, examining over 10 million stars, but failed to find up any evidence of alien technologies. The study published in the publications of the Astronomical Society of Australia on Monday details a search for extraterrestrial intelligence, SETI, using Murchison Wide Field Array, a collection of 4,096 antennas planted in the red soil of Western Australia that detects radio signals from space. They are little spider-like antennas that sit on the ground, explains Chinoa Tremblay, co-author in the study and astrophysicist with the CSIRO. Tremblay and co-author Stephen Tingay from the International Centre for Radio Astronomy Research used the MWA to listen out for techno-signatures or evidence of alien technology in a portion of the sky around the Velo constellation. Tremblay explains this region is scientifically interesting because a large number of stars had exploded and died, creating ideal conditions for new stars to form. The search for into extraterrestrial life piggybacks on other work studying this region to understand the life cycle of stars. After listening to the Vela region for 17 hours, no unknown signals were detected. While the survey was able to capture over 10.3 million stellar sources and contained six known exoplanets, likely many more exist in the region, the team notes that it was like trying to find something in an ocean, but only studying a volume of water equivalent to a large backyard swimming pool. And there's another big caveat, looking for techno signatures is assuming that civilization have technology similar to our own. Well, they're either behind ours, in which case they're not going to be making digital signals, or they're ahead of us and they're not going to be making digital signals. The chances that, the chance that they're technologically in exactly the same spot we are making exactly the same signals at exactly the same time is pretty slim. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Nanu, nanu. Mm. Didn't he age backwards? He started off as an adult and grew into a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just on that too, um, the world's largest digital camera is um, a. It's about to start. You've gone from the smallest computer to the largest camera. That's yeah. amazing. The largest digital camera. It's the um, Rubin Observatory Legacy Survey of Space and Time, or the LSST. Uh, it's a catalog containing more galaxies than there are living people on Earth. Um, they have a 3,200 megapixel camera. Um, it's spread over 189 individual sensors, spread over a two-foot-wide focal plane. Um, each sensor can take 16 megapixel images. The telescopic camera, once complete, is destined for the Rubin Observatory in Chile, where it will periodically take panoramic images of the complete southern sky for a decade. Its data will be fed into the Rubin Observatory Legatory Service and Survey Study Space Time and... Tra <laughs> it's a TARDIS. <laughs> There's no punctuation. <laughs> a catalog containing more. Um, the research team has released images taken with focal plane, as well as a camera image browser viewer. Current images include the hand, the head of a broccoli, the f the flammary wow, engraving, and a college of camera team. The images aren't as clear as those that will eventually be possible because they were taken without a lens. Instead, the team used 150 micron-sized pinhole to project images under the focal plane. The camera will be about the size of an SUV once complete. Um, they still need to integrate lens, shadow, filter system, etc. 
The primary lens measures 1.57 metres in diameter, and a secondary lens is 1.2 metres, and a third is 72 centimetres. Um, it's about it would cost about 168 million dollars to produce. Um, the one thing I don't say, which I thought would be interesting, is how much data it's going to use. But the focal plane has surface area large enough to capture a portion of the sky about the size of 40 full moons in one photo. The oh. resolution is so high that you could use it to spot a golf ball from 15 miles away. Um, I reckon I, feel, I was quite high. I could spot a golf ball <laughs> as well. The camera is expected yeah. to collect images of about 20 billion galaxies over the coming decade. Um, yeah, the only thing I'd wish they'd, they'd said was how much data. I mean, and how do we get access to it? Uh, they'll be online. Cool. Um, but yeah, three thousand two hundred megapixel. I mean, if you work it out, uh, what? Um, uh, that better uh, than four K. Well, it's going to take it in. It's going to take it in raw because it would be un- uncompressed. And a normal, like my Sony Alpha, I think it was an eight megapixel. Or a ten megapixel. I think a raw image in that was four hundred meg. Yep. And that was ten megapixels. So times that by by three hundred and twenty. Yeah. Roughly. Or an SUV. <laughs> so yeah. So ten meg. So what's that going to be? That's going to be about a three thousand gig. Is that right? I think so. In a three thousand gig photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to need a couple of petabyte drives for that. Three terabytes per photo, yeah. <laughs> and it takes 100. Was it 189 photos at the same time? Because it's 189 sensors. <laughs> nice. So 180 times, 190 times, whatever that is, three terabytes. Error, error. <laughs> yes, there's too many zeros in that for me to figure out this time <laughs> <or not. laughs> So. The Amiga Fast File System is making a minor comeback in the new version of the Linux kernel. As noted by Chief Penguin Linus Torvalds in his weekly State of the Kernel report, a change to AFFS popped up among what he described as a collection of the usual suspects in use of missions to the kernel over the last week. The Amiga was ahead of its time, but is now largely a curiosity. However, SUS developer David Sturber has noticed that the basic permission bits protection bits in Amiga OS have been broken in Linux AFFS. It would only set bits but never delete them. Also, contrary to the documentation, the archive bit was not handled. Let's fix this for good and set the bits such that Linux and classic Amiga OS can exist in the most peaceful manner, he added. Torvalds appears to have agreed as much as Sturba's code has made it into RC4 of version 5.9 of Linux kernel. Torvalds says that while RC4 is a big release, he rated it as larger than usual and it's still well within the normal range and not something I'll lose any sleep over. Yeah. So there you go. Get your Amigas and your Linux is talking together. It'd be interesting if it actually works literally to the point where it, you could be used as an emulator. Yeah. That'd be cool. I could see some uses for that. You can remake the Amiga 500 effectively. I always wanted a 600 nice form factor. Just a cool one. It was, yeah, I was going to say it was smaller, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's like, really cute. I really wanted one. I like the 500 because you could throw it off a 27 story building and it would crack the concrete. <laughs> it's like a Nokia, right? <laughs> oh, they really. And those floppy disks, I don't know what yeah. they made them out of, but they're indestructible. They still work today. I've got, I've got Omega disks that still boot the same as they did when they were brand new. 
Yeah, any good games? Oh, all sorts of stuff. SimCity and Worms and lemmings, lemmings, Zoom lemmings. and yeah, Lemmings and oh, so many, so many. Is lemmings it? was like a killer app for the Amiga with the mouse and everything. It's difficult on the Commodore sixty four with your joystick, but you yeah. can play it. But with the mouse on the Amiga, it was a game changer. Yeah, I like um, yeah. There's so many games like Road Rash and stuff like that. I had one of those floppy drive caddies, the boxes with the flip top lid. Oh, all right. And it, you know they were almost they were like a foot by foot sort of one. Yeah, full of floppies. Yeah, about five of those. Jeez. <laughs> There's bootloaders and all sorts of custom games. and. I never had one. I really wanted one. i got a friend who thinks he might be giving me a 500. I'll have to see cost. if it's still... I'll have to ask. I'll ask my um, nephew if he's still got mine. Yeah. Because I gave it to him back in 95. <laughs> I <laughs> so... used to use... Um... Hand mode for doing advertisements and TV studios using oh, yeah. all over using the place. For everything. Yeah. This thing's got yeah some of the graphic design stuff. It's got emulators so that you can run. Um, you could do like animated gifs. You know, app, app, I think you could do it like fifteen frames a second or something. Yeah. It's pretty intense. Um, Microsoft says you can't uninstall Edge browser again. <laughs> We gave up so, trying to do that a long time ago. So they said you could, and then they said you couldn't, and then they said you could again, but now you can't. Oh. <laughs> what? Um, so basically, the New Age browser um, is based on Google's open source, open source Chromium, uh, the world's most widely used browser. Back in August, Microsoft explained the new version of Microsoft Edge is included as a Windows system update, so it can't be uninstalled. Yeah. <laughs> So now Why, the company, Microsoft, the company has updated, updated its advisory again to explain that because Windows supports applications that rely on the web platform, a default browser is an essential component of our operating system and can't be uninstalled. You mean Everyone like Everyone's got different <laughs> default browsers they want. Didn't you have this problem when you with the European Union or something forcing you to let people choose what browser they wanted? Isn't Windows 95, wasn't that the whole thing that you had to use Microsoft? You had to keep Microsoft... In Explorer installed because the, the operating ex- system was a browser. Yeah, the Explorer.exe used to browse your files, used to use it as the back end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Edge, we know how we'll get them to use it. We'll make the operating system a browser. Make it the operating <laughs> system, yeah. Um, then Google came out with Chromebooks, and that's essentially the operating system as a browser. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much. That's what it says. Shifting to Chromium, Microsoft's first. But that was a edge. browser people wanted. <laughs> Well, that was, I mean, it was the, the Chromebook. Like, you wouldn't have had a Chromebook without that. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, so so you can't uninstall it again at the moment. So we'll see how long that lasts. But on that note, speaking of Chromebooks, uh, best rugged tablets in 2020. Oh. So the cheapest one they've got here is a Chromebook, Chrome OS tablet. Um, it's, it's designed... Um, has Dragon Tail Pro Glass, which is supposed to be the next one up from the Gorilla, Gorilla Glass. Uh, it's not obviously hugely powerful because it is only a it is only a Chromebook, but it's got 10 inch display, four gig of RAM, thirty two gig storage, um, about sixteen hours battery life. It's ruggedized. Um, it's you know, splash proof, dust dust proof. Um, you know, it's it's. Almost something you'd probably give your kid in reality to take to school or whatever because it's 
it's just strong enough for that sort of thing. Um, and it's the cheapest that uh, this is in US dollars. It's two hundred and seventy bucks. What surprised me was the next cheapest one is actually a uh, Samsung Galaxy Tab Active Two. Um, it's a more compact version of the Tab Active. Has a eight inch display. Um, has the MLS TD810 certification, which gives it an IP68 rating, which means it's dust and water resistant. Um, 11 hour battery life, uh, 32, 3 gig of memory, 16 gig storage, uh, supports micro SDs, runs Android 7.1. So it's not the most recent, but should work. It's fully ruggedized once again. Um, drop, what do I say? Um, 5 meters drop resistant. Um, you know, so it's, for that price, it's pretty good. And there's the other ones. There's the Panasonic Toughbook, of course, which is your, you know, you three thousand dollar. Effectively, I mean, they've been doing Toughbooks for forever. forever. Yeah. You know, they're pretty much the pick of the, the pick of the bunch for that. But there's a couple other options, sort of in the middle of the price range. There's a Dell Latitude, rugged. Um, there's the Active Pro, which is the original one. It's a bit the Android, uh, Samsung one. It's a bit dear. It's not. It's 10-inch ones, 64 gig of storage, so it's a slightly bigger version, but it's more rugged again. Uh, Windows tablet is a Getek F110, has run Windows, obviously, touchscreen. Has one advantage that it will work with your gloves on, um, so you, you, for cold environments and stuff like that. So it's just interesting that there's actually a, a reasonable selection of ruggedized like tablets coming out. There's been ruggedized phones for a while. Cat's done one and Samsung's done one. There's been a couple of options. And you've had a couple of, you know, laptops with the the um, Panasonics and whatever, but the tablet space now is, is getting that sort of uh, same treatment, Yeah, which is interesting. Use it on your building site. Yeah, well, I mean, but the thing is too, like, I know, like, even tradies... Um, or even us, for example, when we go out and fit a battery on, on a, you know, to a car, yep. you often are working, you know, on the roof or the bonnet of the car. You got your tablet on there, you're taking notes and stuff. And a normal tablet or a phone that's that's metalized or, or hard plastic, you stick it on the roof or the bonnet. And the first thing it does is try to slide off. Yep. <laughs> so one of those ruggedized ones with the rubber sticky rubber casing, you know, you put it on there. You can leave the thing in the sun. It's not going to stop working because it tells you it's too hot. And, you yeah. know, you've got gloves on because you've been working with batteries and stuff. You can still do stuff. So even for general tradies or retail and stuff like that, it's 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 great. It's it's fine, you know. So. What else you got? a few. Um, That's it for me. A couple of quick ones. I just, want, I just like this story because I was trying to find the sound grab for it. Do you remember in like the Scorpion King when you go Immortet? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, France, Japan, New Zealand warn of sudden spike in Immortet attacks. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> they let him out. The scarab beetles will be eating us. That's it. So uh, basically, it's a malware, Immortet malware. Uh, I, you probably know more about it than I does, but basically, it's just a spreads from email to email. Um, it's designed to target companies and government organizations. Uh, it's a it's a, a form of ransomware. Um, in in a, it's they they're calling it malware. It's, it's sort of a ransomware, from what I can quickly understand. But basically, it's been around since um, 2017. They so it's been around for a while. So it's like a crypto locker one. Um, 
Yeah, sort of. Locks up your data and then ransoms you to get it unlocked again. Yeah, but it does it differently because it attacks... Like, if it gets onto a network, it's smart enough to spread itself before it locks the system down. So if it gets into a network server, it'll attack all the all the slave systems first, and then once there's nowhere else for it to go, then it'll turn on its own system. Right. Um, but yeah, so basically, it's been a mild, it's been around since 2017. It's been mild threat. Like we're talking worldwide cases of a, a thousand, couple of thousand. But in the last month, it's suddenly like we've there's over like 3,500 cases in a month. So right. it's it's all of a sudden it's just gone burko. So just inform your staff. Don't open emails that they don't, don't know where they come from. Links and emails. Pretty much, just, just good company policy in general. And also tell your mother all the same thing. Um, and quickly, Service New South Wales reveals 738 gig of customer data was stolen during an email breach. <laughs> Attack accessed 47 staff email accounts and affected 186,000 customers. Um, stolen of a cyber attack earlier this year following a four-month investigation that began in April. So they've known about it since April. I'm just telling you now. Service New South Wales have identified that 738 gig of data, which comprised of 3.8 million documents, was stolen from the email accounts. Um, oh, one more. Where, where'd you come from? I'm in a sealed room. How can there a moth just randomly appear? <sighs> anyway, um, uh, the one-stop shop agency assured, however, there was no evidence that individual My Service New South Wales account data or Service New South Wales databases were compromised. They just don't know. But they don't know if they were compromised, yet all the data got taken from them. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> this rigorous first step serviced about 500,000 documents which reference personal information. The data is made up of documents such as handwritten notes on forms, scans and records of transaction applications. Across the last four months, some of the analysis included many review of tens of thousands of records to ensure our customer agents can develop a robust and useful notification process. We are very sorry that customers' information was taken. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> what you going to do? Um, Service New South Wales set up progressively notify for customers. Uh, Review New South Wales Police are currently carrying out an investigation. As they do. Reviewed by New South Wales Order the General. Said cyber security defences practices and systems and education is also underway. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, it's not our fault. It was the hackers. Had nothing to do with us. We didn't do anything wrong. Um, blame the hackers. We didn't protect your data. But... Sorry about that. We're only a government organisation. It's not our job to look after your data. Just In fact, cause... your personal identifying data that somebody can commit fraud with. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, if you've got... It doesn't say. It just says... I haven't looked up. It says Service New South Wales, but I don't know what Service New South Wales specifically... I know it's a government organisation, but I, I don't know... They deal with fines, licenses, grant licenses. Ah, okay. It's that side of it. Yeah. So it's only your photo ID, your address, driver's license numbers, uh, email details. accounts, credit card details, phone numbers, addresses, uh, next you know, family Anything identifying you. Yeah, it's... it's. Pfft, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's already out there through all the other hacks, so what's one more? No, no nothing, can, nothing can go wrong from this. It's no. fine. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also now at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. 
Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. See the site for details. Email us, Glenn Wheel at Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com. 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows edit each Friday. See you next time. Bye.